Welcome to Campfire Football, everybody. I'm Sebastian North. This is episode 65. The goals start flowing and the Copa America begins. It's a pretty exciting time. Um, what a way for the Euros to finally really get into gear. After a horrible experience yesterday watching Christian Eriksen basically die on the field and then come back, we really, really needed to start getting the party started as far as football is concerned. And I think that's exactly what happened today. Five matches were played across the two main continental competitions in one day. Tough life for all of us who had to sit through watching this. One is currently still being played. Colombia and Ecuador is just beginning uh, in a little bit here. Brazil just beat Venezuela 3-0. I'll get to that. But let's start with the Euros, of course. For the opening four, three, four games of most tournaments, actually, it's pretty common that you get a lot of cagey affairs. Now, of course, any of you who remember wild openers, I get it. But a lot of the time, the first two, three games are a little bit cagey. They're a little bit tight. Um, sometimes it's the host nation struggling to get their way in or the previous winner struggling to get just to get their feet on the ground because goals make such a difference. You can tell the level of confidence that every single one of these teams gets once they've put a ball in the back of the net for the first time in the tournament. It really relieves a lot of pressure. You saw it with Italy. Uh, I think you saw it with Belgium in the sense that as soon as Lukaku scored, they really, really felt like, yeah, this is going to be easy today. Uh, and that's that's been great. And I think it's, it's what's going to lead us to start seeing more and more goals because everyone's loosening up a little bit. So England beats Croatia 1-0 today. Should have been a bit more comfortable than it was. I'm not saying they should have scored a lot more goals, but maybe have gotten to 2-0 and just made it a little bit easier for them. Uh, Phil Foden has an excellent shot that hits the post. Beautiful curler early. I mean, England came out the blocks sprinting. I mean, they were they were trying to put this game away early and really, really go and set a tone. Problem with Croatia is, look, they're going to survive and weather storms and not panic. And then once they can get control of the ball and start moving it forward and creating opportunities, that's when you all of a sudden lose touch with how to get the grips on the game away from Croatia. Because they can kind of start controlling it out of nowhere with the players that they have. Midfield of Brozovic, Kovacic, and Modric, that's enough high quality. But Croatia were pretty disappointing today. And I think that England deserve a lot of credit for the way they applied themselves. I think everyone played well. Um, Mason Mount looked really dangerous, as well as Phil Foden, especially early on. Phil Foden faded a little bit throughout the game. But then I think Calvin Phillips and Declan Rice were, you know, probably men of the match for England. And I'd say Calvin Phillips for the assist, the way he breaks a line, receives the ball, Nice little bit of dancing through a couple tackles before playing a good positive ball to a very nice run from Raheem Sterling. Sterling gets the goal. Um, look, I, it ends 1-0, and, and England finally get their first victory at a Euro, which I think is a stat that means almost nothing. But we'll, we'll get to some of my beef with how much that's been talked about in a minute. Um, first of all, Southgate... Um, He's got this thankless task right now, honestly. The poor guy has got everybody with an opinion. Everyone in the country, everyone, everyone, every ex-player, everyone's got an opinion of who should play and who should start. And the funny thing is, when I hear everyone's ideas, I'm like, yeah, that sounds like a good team. Yeah, that sounds like a good team too. Yeah, that sounds like a good idea as well. One thing that Mourinho was talking about when they had him on Talk Sport a couple days ago is, that against Croatia, for instance, you don't need a back three because they don't have any center forwards that are going to cause you issues. 
All you need to do is make sure that their midfield, who are exceptional players, do not start to control the game against you. So everyone who was like, oh, back three, back three, back three, who's going to play in the back? And then he goes out with a four because that's what makes sense against the opponent. I mean, people have been asking everything. Like, should it be the back three or four? Should Who should play an attacking midfield? Should it be Grealish? Should it be Mount? Should it be Foden? Should it be Rashford? I mean, it, just, it goes on and on and on, right? Who should be in goal? The fact that England have all these questions, options, and possibilities is a good thing, okay? It's a good thing. Uh you don't need to start coming up with what an, a, a solid 11 for the whole tournament is when you have all of this, all these options. And like I said, different opponents will offer you different problems. So this is why. Now, as far as selections go, the one thing I did not understand was Kieran Trippier as your left back. Like, I know that Southgate trusts Trippier a lot. He's a very good defender, but he's not left-footed. And he's not a left-sided defender. You would just be better off with Shaw or Chilwell because either one of them is just going to be more natural. Now, of course, I'm not going to criticize Southgate for his decision because guess what? It worked out just fine, right? Kieran Trippier did just fine. But the one thing he didn't offer as much as either of the other two would have been was just when you have the ball, a left-sided defender, when they receive it, they're going to take a first positive touch forward way more often than a right-sided player. So you lose a little bit of attacking dynamism from the left-back position if you have a right-side, a right-footed defender there. But it's it's not that big of a deal. It worked, and maybe it's just to get right, get get going in the tournament. You've you've got a guy like Trippier who can play in that back line. You know, Chilwell and Shaw. It'd be it's their first time at a Euros, so you 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 give them time, right? Uh, but, yeah, I think that's one change we'll see. Raheem Sterling. Uh, in your face to all the haters, by the way, and all the people saying that he's been poor all season and he not even Pep Guardiola trusts him anymore and he didn't even start in the Champions League final. And uh, Why would Raheem Sterling start? It's got to be Grealish. It's got to be Rashford. It's gotta, yeah. And then Sterling starts, scores. So, to all the haters, in your face. I think that's... Uh, that's the thing that people need to understand is that, especially England fans, like stop doubting everything about the coach, about Gary Southgate's decisions. Stop doubting everything about the players, the history, whatever. It was interesting. Mourinho actually said this when they were on Talk Sport Radio. They said to him, "Well, England have never won an opening game of a Euros," and Mourinho was like, "Why do you guys talk about it this way? Like, this doesn't help." And this is true. And I, I look. England fans, you may think that other people act like this. The majority of countries around the world are behind their teams. They're supportive. They're optimistic. If things go wrong, essentially they'll just blame everyone else. But in England, especially the way you guys – I mean, there was a period of time in the game where you could sense the crowd getting anxious. That's the last thing the players need. Okay, I mean, think about this. If you're a player on the field and you go through a period of the game where you've lost – dominance and control and the other team starting to eke back into it you want your crowd to be singing getting loud especially it's the home crowd instead Wembley started to quiet down because everyone was like oh no not again what is not again what is not again every team loses every team concedes goals every team has had embarrassing exits from tournaments stop thinking you're alone and individually unique in some kind of losing way right um 
I, I just think that that lends to upping the pressure on the players to where you don't see them perform and enjoy the way that a lot of teams do. I mean, I've talked to some guys who are like, you know, it's really impressive. These, do you think these Colombian team, this Colombian team, every time they uh, they they go to World Cup, they practice a bunch of dances before they score? You're like, maybe a little bit, but the reality is, this is the way it works. You score a goal, everyone celebrates. The bench, the play, and everyone dances together because it's a collective thing. You just scored a goal at the World Cup. I think there's a sense of decorum that the English players want to keep in order to not upset their own fans, but they're not playing with the same flair that everyone wants them to because, in my opinion, the fans are just over the top in unrealistic expectations. This team is awesome. They're so good. They're so much fun. They're they're players that aren't going to listen to you during this tournament. But in the future, they'll start listening, and they'll be like, "Ah, this, this is too much. So please, England fans, support this team. They're really exciting. They're a lot of fun. I'm an England fan. My father's English. I would love to see this team win something. I really would. But I can't get on board with the way a lot of you talk. I just can't. So, you know, I look at France, for instance, a team that is put on as heavy favorites, and everyone's like, look, we're the favorites. We've got the best team. Uh, That's an unfortunate target to have on our back, and we've blown it before. But, hey, anything's possible. That's the way a lot of the French people are looking at it. The English have already come in going, we've got the team, we should win it. But if Southgate plays four at the back, there's not going to be a chance. It's, I mean, I, I, we got to stop with this. Just please, everyone, enjoy the summer. Enjoy that football's back. You guys are playing tons of home games. Get behind your team already, all right? All right, enough of England. I'm sorry if I took a little too too long with that for anyone who really doesn't care about that whole narrative. But moving on to game two, and this was the start of Group C, Austria versus Northern Macedonia. And look, you want North Macedonia to make some kind of statement and impact they did, getting a goal, equalizing as well after going down 1-0. And, of course, it's Goran Pandev who scores. And, I mean, what a moment for this guy. He's 37 years old. And I remember when I was in college uh, from, like, oh, from like a late 04 to 08, he was at Lazio just banging in just perlers and just scorchers all the time. He's scoring so many good goals. The guy had an amazing highlight reel. It's where I, where I really took notice of him. And just just loved Goran Pandev. And I'm so happy for him that at this point in his career, he ends up getting a goal. And it was a really ugly goal. It was two defenders. It was a defender and attacker. Everyone just bumps into each other. Goalkeeper spills the ball. He picks it up, puts it in. But I have to say I was impressed with Austria. Uh, first of all, the first goal, Marcel Sabitzer's ping, little Paul Scholes-style cross, um, to liner at the back post was excellent. And then the finish, I got to say, this is a really nice athletically and technically taken goal because he jumps in the air to meet the ball very early and realizes sort of where it's going and readjusts his sort of just his body weight and shape in order to reach his leg back out and put it in, kind of like a hitch kick in a way. Um, excellent touch, too, to just cushion it into the back post. <clears throat> Beautiful way to start. At that point, I was like, goal of the tournament so far. That's beautiful. And then David Alaba finally gets up the wing after a long time of being just like marooned in the back. He finally gets forward. Terrific cross from him. And uh, Dragovic puts it away. And it's 2-1. And then Marko Arnautovic gets his moment. A player who a lot of people might be like, well, what happened to him? Because he went to China and he barely played this last year. He got injured and he hasn't played much. And... You could tell, he, so he scores his goal, and he starts looking at one of the North Macedonia players and uh, really gave him 
gave him some words. I have no idea what he said, but uh, big moment for him because I think as far as a statement on the European scene, he's probably been regarded as a guy who just went and got his paycheck and is done. This is great for him. It's great for Austria. This puts them in an ideal position to make it to the next round already, especially based on you know everyone in the group. The other two teams, Holland and Ukraine, and this is why this group looks fun. Because like I said, this is the weakest one on paper. But my goodness, it's going to be exciting. And thank you to Holland and Ukraine for delivering so far the game of the tournament and Yarmolenko goal of the tournament so far. I'm sure that will be beaten, but that that was a fun game to watch. Uh, just it got, got totally crazy. And the great thing is it got crazy out of nowhere. You weren't expecting what would happen. I mean, the Dutch should have been clear ahead by halftime and I think by the time they'd scored their first goal it was like 12 of the 16 goals already scored at the Euros were all in the second half I mean this just added to that tally where you can see that teams take a little bit of time to get themselves into the game and then once the goals come confidence comes with it and you saw that from the Dutch tonight uh you know they 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 were good the whole first half but then once they scored the floodgates started to open for the whole game really Jeannie Wijnaldum with a great, great first goal. Beghorst gets the second. And then you've got this weird little period where Ukraine, out of nowhere, just come back. Yarmolenko. <laughs> this goal was so much fun for me because the ball comes to him. He does a little one-two. And as soon as he receives that ball back on the one-two, because he cut in at first, right when he does the one-two and he receives the ball back, I stood up in my chair because I knew this is Yarmolenko, 22 yards out, right in the middle, nobody on him, ball in his left foot. This is going in one place only, and that is the far corner, top far corner. Um, it's so fun. It felt like that moment in World Cup 2018 when Quaresma did a little one-two on the side, and you knew, you knew the Travella was coming. You knew he was going to bend that with the outside of his right. And because it's like his special, it was just so great to see that go in then. And this is kind of like one of Yarmolenko's things. This is kind of like an Aryan Robin cuts in and, and curls it. It's very similar. And so to see that as the goal, first of all, you're like, Holland, just w w the guy cannot cut in on his left foot and shoot. You cannot let him do that. And you can't, can't let him wander inside and do a one-two and then not put pressure on him. So great to see that moment. The inevitability of it for me was hilarious because I was standing up with my arms in the air before the ball even went in. Banger. Um, and then just a couple minutes later, Beghorst just keeps a whole line of, uh, of players on side. And all of a sudden, Ukraine, beautiful header from, uh, uh, what was his name? Yarmachuk, right? And... Uh, Yaremchuk, that's what it was. Tucks in a beautiful header from a Malinovsky cross. 2-2, two -two, just like that, out of nowhere. And so you're thinking, wow, like, Holland really, I mean, they should be winning this game. And they should be able to score one more. With the amount of time they have and the amount of chances they've created, they should be able to score one more. Ukraine, I didn't get the feeling would win this game. But I thought maybe they would end up with a 2-2 two -two draw. Finally, Dumfries gets his goal. It's purely earned. I think he was excellent. Makes it 3-2. I think the goalkeeper should have saved this one. But, you know, Ukraine at this point where I think shocked, shot in terms of their morale. They had come back to 2-2. Bang, they get scored on. Uh, but, look, really exciting game. Lots of fun. Makes you feel like the Euros are in full, full swing. And a little note on Christian Eriksen here, this whole situation, because he uh, he actually played at Ajax. 
so if anyone doesn't know, that this is one of the reasons why the signs in the Johan Cruyff Arena uh, supporting him were huge. We also saw a few players today uh, for the Austrian team hold up, get well, uh, Christian signs. And, and this is all great. This is really nice. The only sad thing is you think about all the tests that these players go through, right, when they do a medical. And when you do a medical, if like a small thing about heart condition comes up, like you don't pass. The guy was dead on a field for a few minutes and resuscitated and it was just in and out. It's hard to imagine that very many FAs would actually clear him to play top, top level football again. So this is really sad. Um, I'm glad he's had a, a decently, you know, fruitful career to this point, um, that he got to win a title this year for Inter Milan. But this is, yeah, it's upsetting that a player, you know, have could have his career completely cut off because of this. But, of course, we're all just grateful he's alive. Um, but, man, it's going to be interesting one day to hear about what that experience was like for him. Um, we hear about near-death experiences and the things that people, where their mind takes them. And, um, yeah, I think in time it would be interesting to find that out in many years. I don't not expecting him to talk about it anytime soon. But yeah, that was a really tough situation. Hard to see for everybody, but it's nice to see the solidarity coming around. And hopefully hopefully we can see him playing in some way, shape, or form again. Because it's just a, just a really rough way to bow out. Okay, Copa America. I'm not going to spend long on this. I'm going to just wrap this up in the next minute here. But it's begun. And the sad thing is that as much as you want this to feel like it matters the same way the Euros do... There's no crowd in Brazil because COVID is still there, – there was big outbreaks. I mean, this is why the tournament got moved from Argentina. It was originally supposed to be co-hosted by Colombia and Argentina. Colombia had political unrest. Argentina had COVID exploding. They moved it to Brazil. Brazil still got COVID issues, so the stands are empty, and it just takes away from what we're watching in the morning. Um, bummer. But, look, Brazil, go ahead, get themselves started with a 3-0 victory over Venezuela. Comfortable, easy, classy. But – Colombia, Ecuador, as I said earlier, this is being played just soon. It's going gonna, it's gonna to kick off soon. That's why I got, got my Colombia kit on. Very excited for them. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, this month is going to be an absolute football bonfire, right? Uh, it's bonfire football for the month. That's what we're doing. So I'm just going to keep chucking logs on it every single day, all right? Next up, here's what we got. We got the Czech Republic against Scotland. This is going to be very exciting. Scotland, I mean, we've been waiting a long time to see Scotland actually have a generation of players that are interesting and fun. And Czech Republic, I think, are a very strong team. That game will be very interesting. Poland-Slovakia. Hey, you know what? Poland, it's on you. Robert Lewandowski, it's on you guys to actually perform and show us why you've been so highly ranked and why you consistently do well in qualifying. Show us on the big stage. Spain, Sweden. Spain, let's find out what team they're able to field tomorrow. It's going to be very interesting. But I think that they're flying under the radar. I think they're going to be excellent. And then when we go to Copa America, listen to this blockbuster. Argentina, Chile tomorrow night. Excellent. And then Paraguay, Bolivia. So, look, this is going to be, like I said, an amazing month of football. Thank you to all to Holland against Ukraine today. I mean, that game really got us going. Yarmolenko with the pearler, but we needed a five-goal thriller to really get the wheels greased up, and now I just think the football goals are just going to flow like crazy. All right. Onward we go. Enjoy your football, everybody. This is Campfire Football. I'm Sebastian North. Enjoy your night.